This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Google announced yesterday that they might delete you. This is the Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Top story, Google to mass delete thousands of accounts The company announced yesterday that starting on December 1st of this year, 2023, obviously, if a Google account has not been used or signed into for the last two years, Google may delete the account and all of its contents, which includes Gmail, Google Docs, Google Drive, Google Meet, Google Calendar, and Google Photos. The policy only applies to personal Google accounts and will not affect accounts for organizations like schools or businesses. Google did later add a note to this post saying this, Additionally, we do not have plans to delete accounts with YouTube videos at this time. Now, they said videos plural. What does that mean for channels with one video on it? I don't know. And they also said at this time, which that does not give me confidence that they won't eventually delete what they declare to be inactive accounts that do have videos. Plus, on Google's actual policy page for this, they don't say anything about not deleting accounts with videos, which is something that I think should concern a lot of people, whether it be videos or anything that people have online. For example, I've started a number of YouTube channels over the past 15 years or so, 12 years, I don't know. It's been a long time and I've uploaded lots of different content. The reasons for starting the channel could be anything. It could be you're working with a new group of people or you make a channel specifically for a video for a marketing campaign, which I've done that before. And I know how to find these videos and these channels, but I can't remember the login. I've tried to log into some of them, but I've been unable to do it. And one in particular is it has a video on it. One channel does of that me and my friends made a, a, a while ago. And this video has over half a million views and over a thousand likes on it. It's up on screen there, the video. And every Christmas I share this video around because it's Christmas-themed, and it was something fun that we did a while ago that kind of caused a stir. And the video gets more views on a regular basis. So this video is very active in the sense that people visit the channel a lot. But on the other side, it's very inactive. I I probably haven't logged into this channel in five years because I I can't remember any of the information. And this wouldn't be the first time something like this has happened to me. There's another website, this was maybe 10 years ago or so, and I can't even remember the name of it right now. It was a popular website, but name slips my mind. There were some stand-up comedy clips of me on this site that were featured, and there were some positive write-ups about me. And I used to go to the site, and I went to it one day, and it was just gone. For years, or a couple of years, it had been there, and then all of a sudden, it wasn't. And I did not have copies of those clips because I wasn't the one that recorded them. Sometimes they had cameras set up in the back of clubs and they can end up on one site or another, which I was fine with it. You consent to this, but I didn't have copies of it. So clips that I wanted, had I known the site was going to go away, I would have found a way to get those clips, but I didn't know. And so it's gone. The point is, think about what you might have, not just on Google, but anywhere and go preserve that stuff that is important to you because the company whose cloud it exists on 
could be gone one day. You know, you have no idea. Twitter also announced recently that they're going to be removing inactive accounts soon as well. The way Google is defining inactive accounts here is based on whether or not the account holder has logged into them and used the account. Strictly on that side of it and not on the level of interaction that non-account holders have with the, whether it's a blog, video, photos, whatever. So this link on screen here, for example, over half a million views gets more views on a regular basis. As I said, I shared around a lot. There's a lot of activity on the non-user side with this video. Zero activity when it comes to logging in. So this video would fall under that. It, it would be a non-inactive account under this criteria. Now they said they're not going to be removing channels that have videos on them right now, but they said videos, this channel has only this video. And again, they said as of now, which... I think they probably will start removing videos, and I'll tell you why in a second. The same thing could be true when it comes to popular blogs people have written. People might have old resumes on Google Blogs. I know that I used to, and I have a bunch of old scripts I wrote that I used to use to get copywriting work when I was doing script writing for uh, advertising, and that would also fall into this category. It would be removed. I need to go download. I'm thinking about it right now. I need to go download all that stuff because it's helpful to me, and... I think people who are going to be affected by this definitely, definitely the, the content creators, but also people who visit the sites frequently who come December 1st and after are going to click on links that are going to be dead. Another example of this is the guys involved in the Kamala Harris Knights Templar story that I've talked about a lot. One of them had a Google Plus page, which is gone now. Google Plus is gone. Had photos of him in crazy outfits posing with Bill Clinton and other celebrities that I, I, I discovered, and I downloaded all of those photos. I took screenshots. I saved them, which I'm lucky I did because the page disappeared. And all the photos that were on it were not did not show up when you go to the Wayback Machine. Like I said, fortunately, I still had them, but they were gone from the Internet. Some of them were. And this stuff is going to continue happening more and more moving forward. At least they're going to try to do this more and more because I don't believe that their motivation for doing this is what Google is claiming that it is. Uh, and this is my, my speculation here, but their claim is this. They're, they claim they're doing this because they say that these unattended accounts are more likely to use old passwords that are compromised and they are more likely to not have two-step verification set up, which they say leaves the account or the account holder vulnerable to stuff like identity theft or having their accounts used as a vector for malicious content, which I'm guessing what they declare to be disinformation would fall under that category. I'm not buying that explanation that just puts the user first. What if there's someone out there who hasn't logged in in two years, is still very aware of the content they have on some channels, and is aware that the content is out there, and would rather have to deal with identity theft than lose that content? Can they call Google? And just be like, hey, I accept the risk. I've had a lot of YouTube channels over the years, uploaded a lot of content. I can't remember all of them right now, but I'm trying to find them. And I would rather my identity be stolen than lose that content before I can track it down. Will Google exempt them? Will they leave every channel alone that might be associated with that person? I highly doubt it. Because protecting the user 
ain't their primary motivation, in my opinion. I believe their primary motivation is more likely to get everyone to turn on two-step verification because doing so pretty much reveals the identity of most users, to Google at least, and then those accounts that do not turn on two-step verification to delete those channels all across Google. They want to make it impossible for someone to anonymously create and publish content, is what I believe. If someone is publishing stuff where they question the narrative about the Ukraine-Russia war, Google wants to know the identity of that person, or at least have enough information to figure it out. This stuff also fits in with this agenda to get people to use the AI chatbots instead of traditional search engines to find information online. These chatbots, as we all know, are programmed not to talk about certain things that challenge the narrative, even though information about these things exists online, which means they have access to it. They just do not tell it to you if you ask about it. I believe that they would prefer to just remove all of the sites that contain such information so that there's no way around the whole chatbot thing, so that traditional searches turn up the same thing that a chatbot might turn up. Now, I don't think they're going to be able to successfully do this. We did have our entire website taken down unexpectedly once. I should say this, when we were at WSB, years of well-sourced articles, full citations and links, gone in an instant because we challenged the, nar- challenged the narrative. They can't remove all of it, right, without shutting down the entire grid. Because the web is just too vast and people replicate their content across platforms now and parallel systems have emerged that will house much of that content that these traditional systems will not. And they don't want to completely shut down the grid because much of what they want to accomplish relies on turning society into a fully connected Borg. But I do expect, though, we will continue to see more of this, as I said. Just think about what you have online. Maybe not, maybe not even stuff you uploaded. Maybe it's stuff other, other people published with you in it, images, videos, articles, whatever else, and go find it. Take screenshots of mistakes the media makes, stuff that's damaging to them that you believe might be taken down quickly or altered without a footnote being put in there. I do that all the time, and, and it's come in handy. It really has. For example, back in 2017 when John Ossoff was first running for Senate, I think it was a special election against Karen Handel, I began looking into his father and because there was strangely little information about his dad. I assumed his dad was not around, but he was around. Nobody ever mentioned him was all. So, I started looking into him, and what I found was that he had been a government shill for decades, working on the Lyndon B. Johnson's War on Drugs. He was a McKinsey consultant, and he was operating another consulting firm that did stuff like train CIA CIA agents for, for various projects or whatever. And in the process of my research, I also stumbled upon a, a, a website, like a, a weird website or publication for rich people, this group of rich people that owned mega yachts who tour the world together and and make these diaries online like diaries uh, of their you know little rich journeys and in this magazine online magazine i found a picture of richard ossoff john's dad's mega yacht and you'll see for those watching what stood out to me immediately about this photo Yes, it's that Chinese flag, the flag of China, that is being flown on the back of it. And I believe that's the South China Sea that they were in. And in the little write-up next to this, it was describing it as John Os- or Richard Ossoff's yacht. It talked about how on board with Mr. Ossoff were a bunch of Chinese dignitaries. His son was running for a position in the Senate. 
And yet his dad, which nobody talked about, this was his background. Pretty relevant stuff, and it explained why his dad was never mentioned. Now, shortly after I took this photo off and we discussed this on WSB, I went back to this website, and all mention of Richard Ossoff's yacht, or at least images of it, and this description of who was on board were gone. They were completely removed from that website. For a while, the only image that existed of this yacht that I could find online anyway was the one that we had on our website while we were at WSB because I I put this image in the article I wrote about it. And uh, our website got removed, so it was gone as well. A couple of years later, in 2020, this image reemerged online when Ossoff was running again. In fact, I think Fox News might have ended up showing it somehow. I don't know if they found it somewhere else. I scoured the internet, and the only place I was able to find it was that one weird website. So maybe they had saved it or something, or maybe they got it from me, and they waited until he was running again to use it. I have no idea, but my point is, this is why we preserve interesting things that could one day be relevant that we find, as well as the stuff that is important to us. And one more thing here, the stuff on your phone. I mean, we have a lot of stuff on these little mega computers in our pockets. We have photos, videos, voice messages, text messages, whatever else. Don't rely on the cloud. The cloud could go away. It could be deleted in an instant. I'm going to tell you one more quick story, then we'll move on to some more news, because I just really can't emphasize this enough, because something happened to me recently that was worrying for a little while. About a month ago, I ran out of gas in my car. I had dropped some friends off at their house after... We did a live comedy show together, and I forgot. It was like 1 in the morning, and I just forgot that my car was basically on E, and I ran out of gas pretty close to a gas station. And so, I, you know, when I was younger, this kind of stuff happened to me before, so I, I, don't, you know, I don't miss a beat when it happens, so I hopped out, had a gas tank in the back, and I just started walking up the exit ramp towards the gas station that was probably maybe maybe half a mile away, I could see it off in the distance. And as I'm walking up the exit ramp, I crossed over the ramp because I had to go to the other side. Why, why people usually cross the street? And I didn't realize it at the time, but as I was jogging across because I was looking for traffic and stuff, my phone fell out of my pocket and onto the middle of the off-ramp. And so I'm coming back, and on the way back, I'm carrying this big, heavy gas tank and trying to get back down to my car. I cross over to the side where my car's on. I'm in the grass next to the off-ramp, and a car comes speeding up the off-ramp. I have no idea that my phone is not in my pocket at this point, or maybe I'm thinking I left it in my car. But as I'm I'm walking back, this car flying up the off-ramp hits something, and something comes flying in the air and lands just a couple of feet away from where I was walking. And I kind of like looked over at it, and I was like, "Is is that an iPhone? That's not my iPhone. No, I I must have left it in the car. And so I pick it up, and even still picking it up, I'm thinking, there's no way this is my iPhone. And then I go look in my car. I can't find my iPhone. And then I go back to the off-ramp, and I'm looking around the off-ramp, and I'm like, well, this didn't have the case mine had with it. Did the case fall off as well? And then I find the case in the middle of the the off-ramp. So my, my phone had gotten just destroyed by a speeding car coming up the off-ramp. I mean, it was, it was just, 
brutal. I mean, it was crushed. The glass was shattered. The back of, It wasn't like all the way in pieces, which I was like, this thing's pretty sturdy. But I, I, I had zero confidence that this thing could ever be used again. I, it wouldn't turn on. And it, it bumped me out at the time because I had a lot of stuff on that phone that I wanted to keep. And I did not back any of it up on the cloud because I'm a conspiracy theorist and I don't trust the cloud. And so I was out of luck. And on that phone, what I had was I had a bunch of photos and videos of my mom and dad from the last couple of years of their life, because that's the phone I had during those years. And I wanted those photos and videos. And I also had voicemails from my mom and dad on that phone that I was keeping intentionally because I wanted to save them that I'm not, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to have access to those getting a new phone. And, and I mean, I was, I was like really sad for a day because I I thought there was no chance ever that this phone would be fixed. I took it to a repair shop anyway, just in case. And to my surprise, the guy said, yeah, we can fix it. I, I didn't even believe him until a little while later, a couple hours later, he came out and the phone had been fixed. I mean, I was shocked at how they were able to do that. But I got lucky in that right. I got very, very lucky. I will say this, though. If you ever get your phone fixed, make sure you go online and log out of everything or change your passwords because somebody who's fixing your phone will, will have to access it. You'll have to let them into it while they fix it. So you want to do that first. And I did do that first. But they fixed it. It was an amazing job. And I was able to preserve. All, I still have all that stuff now, thankfully. So you get the point. Whatever. Fit, find all your stuff. It's digital that you care about. Back it up, print hard copies, frame it like the old days, whatever. You never know what's going to happen. Next story. We have big news. Big news. Breaking news. I've realized that my Jake Tapper sometimes morphs into Jimmy Stewart. So it's like if George Bailey worked at CNN. Breaking news. Donald Trump is a racist. Okay. Ron DeSantis, who it just seemed like a foregone conclusion for a long time that he was going to run for president in 2024, it's easy to forget that he hasn't even announced yet. Well, according to the Washington Post, that's about to change as they're reporting that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis plans to officially enter the race, the presidential race, next week according to two people familiar with his plans. Those are the most trustworthy sources, the people familiar with the plans. That's who I go to first every single time. DeSantis is expected to hold an event launching his candidacy in Dunedin, Florida, his hometown. This according to one of the people familiar with the plans, and also according to another person familiar with the kickoff gathering, This is some top-notch sourcing already in this article coming from the Washington Post. Fantastic. Although the WAPO does admit that they've yet to speak with anyone familiar with the governor's calendar management team, they go on to say in the article, and this is not me being sarcastic here, this is actually what the article says. The people familiar with the plans spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe the plans that had not yet been announced publicly. Everything just cloaked in so much secrecy. Who are these people? Which one is it? 
Are, are you person familiar with the plans? Are you person familiar with the organization group? Everybody's probably pointing fingers at this point. It's so stupid. You can just make anything up when, when that is the level of, sight, of source citing that we accept. Okay, DeSantis' team is gathering donors at a Four Seasons Hotel in Miami from May 24th to May 26th for a gathering expected to start raising money for the presidential campaign. <laughs> this according to, do I have to tell you who this is according to? It's not a name. It's not a person anybody can picture. This according to people familiar with the event. Trump should offer to let DeSantis have his donor meeting at one of his Trump hotels in Miami. Like, have it at the Trump International Hotel. They're all going to be my donors eventually anyway. The timing of this presidential announcement corresponds with the release of a new presidential poll, or new polling data today from, again, Reuters' Ipsos, who has Trump leading DeSantis by 30 points in the polls. He's got 49% of the potential Republican voters in the primaries with DeSantis having just 19. And throw in a nice little 5% number there who are leaning towards, oh, Mike, get ready to fall asleep when I start talking Pence, pulling in at five points. And in regards to the general election among registered voters, old Sleepy Joe has a 4% edge over Ron DeSantis and a slightly larger 6% edge over Trump, although he wouldn't know it because he's sleeping. The morning consult poll, which was released on Tuesday, has some slightly different numbers as they actually have Trump leading DeSantis by 43 points for the Republican nomination, with Trump having 61% of Republican voters on Team Trump there or on what Joe Biden calls Team Domestic Terrorist, to just 18% favoring DeSantis or Trump light. That poll also has Biden leading Trump in the general, but with just a three-point edge in that case. It really goes to show you here, with Biden having the lead, you know, that to be president in this country, all you have to do is nothing. You have to do nothing. Just stay in the basement, and when and if you do come out, on that rare occasion, just make sure that you babble incoherently and you plunge your nose deeply into the skull of a random child and then take a big hard sniff like your life depends on it and you're president. You're ahead in the polls. It is interesting that DeSantis is running. You know, Trump's going to win the nomination. I think that that is pretty clear. But DeSantis is running anyway. You know, I, that's also not stopping Liz Cheney from running. So... I think it's profitable for these politicians to run. It gives them a, a platform. They can write books about it. They, they make a bunch of money, and they have more star power. Next time, DeSantis, is this is a, like a practice round probably, probably auditioning for VP maybe, Trump and Trump light. Dr. Pepper and Dr. Pepper sugar-free. It's going to be more fun that now that DeSantis is in it. Okay, I want to follow up on another story from yesterday because we have some new information, and that's the AI tech regulation story. I gave you my theory about how 
the tech companies, how I believe the tech companies are so willing to go into Congress and beg to be regulated because they know that nobody in Congress knows anything about AI. And ultimately, the tech companies will be put in charge of determining what those regulations and laws are. It's like a global power grab for these guys, which is why they're so we're working so hard to try and scare the pants off of everybody by exaggerating the threats to society that their own technology poses. The question is, is it working? Are their fear tactics working to terrify people into submission and to accepting whatever AI regulation comes down the pipe as quickly as possible? And the answer is a little bit, at least according to a new poll. And we all know those are trustworthy. That was published today from Reuters Ipsos. I don't know, IPSOS, they, whatever, the Reuters buddy who they do polls with. They found that the number of Americans who foresee adverse outcomes from AI is triple the number of Americans who don't. And they also found that 61% of respondents believe that AI poses risk to humanity, while only 22% disagreed and 17% remained unsure. So the framing of that question you can see in that statement there, it, it was... Do you think AI poses a risk to humanity? So that, that wasn't like something that the people they asked came up with on their own. What do you think about AI? I think it poses a risk to humanity. That's not what happened. They primed that in their mind, and the respondents just said, I agree, I disagree, or I'm unsure. So you can really get the number to where you want it on these polls when you ask the questions like that. They also found that 70% of Trump supporters or Trump voters compared to 60% of Joe Biden voters agreed that AI could threaten humankind. Something everybody agrees on. Or many people agree on, anyway. The online poll of 4,415 U.S. adults was conducted between May 9th and May 15th. So, not working on everybody, working on a lot of people, according to this. It is worth pointing out, because it does factor in, that this hearing on AI was May 16th, the day after they stopped conducting this poll. And leading up to the date of the hearing, the fear around AI was being pumped up and featured even more so than normal in the news because the big hearing was coming up, which means the people who answered these questions, this was an online poll, were most likely exposed to higher levels of fear propaganda than they probably were the week before or the week before that. That is going to increase the number of people who say they agree. If the media stopped talking about AI for two weeks and they conducted this exact same poll during that second week, those numbers would be drastically lower. It's the propaganda effect, man. I actually suspect that they probably want these numbers to be a little bit higher, and they want to sustain them is what they really want to do. So I'm guessing, which this is not really a bold guess, that we're going to see an increase in the fear-mongering around AI in the coming days and weeks. That's a safe bet. All right, for the final story of the day, another follow-up on that weird story from yesterday about the, quote, near-catastrophic car chase involving Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. You know, the one where the paparazzi were on scooters and pedal bikes and they were terrorizing the sidewalks of New York City for two hours as they tried to just get a photo of the two, you know, right after they had left an event 
where photos were allowed to be taken. The tale, as I suspected it was, seems to be mostly made up. First of all, it was Harry's spokesperson who used the phrase near catastrophic to describe the chase. In fact, his full statement was this. He said, Harry and Meghan were involved in a near catastrophic car chase at the hands of a ring of highly aggressive paparazzi and that this relentless pursuit lasting over two hours resulted in multiple near collisions involving other drivers on the road, pedestrians, and two NYPD officers. Which is weird because the NYPD later came out and released a statement saying something that contradicts what that one expressed there. They said, The NYPD assisted the private security team protecting the Duke and Duchess. There were numerous photographers that made their transport challenging, the statement said. However, the Duke and Duchess arrived at their destination and there were no reported collisions. (laughs) There were no reported collisions, summons, injuries, or arrests in that regard. So, the opposite of what Harry's spokesperson claimed, and an unnamed police officer from a precinct near where the alleged chase occurred, told The Wrap that nothing happened. It's a bogus story. Don't believe everything you read in the newspapers. Which is something I read in an online newspaper. What to believe? Anyway, I think that's probably closer to the truth. And also, for some reason, Harry and Meghan got into a cab for about 10 minutes And drove around the block because Pierce Morgan interviewed the New York City cab driver who picked up Harry and Meghan at the police precinct, drove them around the block for 10 minutes, during which he said two cars followed them with a camera, trying to snap pictures, and then he took them back to the police precinct, where he said that Meghan and Harry got back into the SUV. So, since they got back into it, I'm assuming he pulled up to the police precinct Megan and Harry got out of a SUV, and then they got right back in it when they came back. And he also said that their, one of their security guys was riding in the cab with them, and he said that it was not a scary situation, that it was safe. So I think it's clear what's going on here. Prince Harry wanted to, for the first time, ride in a cab. Around the block, back into the SUV. Actually... This appears to be exactly what it looks like it is, a publicity stunt. Probably to get attention, as I said yesterday, on Meghan Markle and her award. I think I've even seen this scene from them before. Curiously, maybe you guys have seen it too. It's uh, Here it is. Park County Police Station, what's your emergency? Yeah, the neighbors across the street are setting off fireworks and it's 10.30 at night. Oh, is it the Prince of Canada and his wife who just want to be left alone? Yes, they're being super loud and I'm trying to work on my brand. Oh, God damn it, now the prince is playing polo on the lawn. <laughs> we are here because privacy is a basic human right. How many more princes and his wives have to live in this nightmare? Hey, can you two fucking keep it down? Hey, you ever heard of a thing called privacy? Yeah, nobody gives a shit. Will you two just shut up and go away? (laughs) That was, of course, from South Park. Never ceases to amaze me 
how ahead of everything South Park always is. All right, that's going to wrap the show up for today. Thank you guys for listening and for watching. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.